NFL Week 6 prop bets and coming in strong, Hitman. A clean 3-0 sweep for you last week with your official picks. All wide receiver props in that Pittsburgh-Buffalo prop betting bonanza. First off, a big thank you on behalf of myself, Jacob, your followers everywhere. That game was just an absolute blast. Quite the whirlwind to start the Sunday slate. And I've got to ask, Hitman, when a game is just falling that perfectly, that quickly... What's your approach when it comes to maintaining an even keel, knowing there's a bigger picture in play in all of this? And at the same time, when it all comes together like that, just enjoying the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. But when you do it as much as I've been doing it and for now years and I've been betting as much as I'm betting, it's kind of it's kind of like a, a, an athlete, you know, where they go to that press conference and they're like, oh, I'm already on the next week. And that that's kind of my mentality uh, as well. I, I put a lot of hard work in so I expect to do well in the long run so I'm more of a uh, Barry Sanders hand the ball to the referee guy than a um, than a dance in the end zone type guy so we'll just take our good results for uh, and hope we could do a good job next week love it well speaking of the week to come and turning the page let's talk week six props and let's kick it off with jets packers i think that we've seen some surprising upside from the jets offense in recent weeks since zach wilson returned also perhaps more surprising quite a bit of downside from a packers defense that was thought to be really strong entering the season green bay also perhaps a bit fatigued not taking a buy off of a london game last week in which they lost to jacobs giants so hitman when we look at jets packers Anything on the offensive side of the ball for the Jets that has you looking their way in the prop markets? Yeah, so I, I liked Zach Wilson under 20 and a half completions it, at minus 120 or so. It got beat up a few places. I think there might still be some 120, 125-ish, 125 out there. Um, the Jets, when, when Flacco was the quarterback, as everybody knows, I was complaining about all the beats I had with them throwing the ball so much. Well, Zach Wilson, the last few weeks, they've been running the ball a lot more. Zach Wilson in his two starts is 5 and 10% under pass rate over expectation. So, and I, I also looked at uh, Tyler Conklin under 20 and a half receiving yards. He only ran like seven or eight routes last week with CJ Uzama coming back and getting most of the work. Now, if you look at Conklin's year long numbers, he, I know at one point after like the first three or four weeks, he led the NFL in routes run for a tight end, which is absolutely astonishing. But the, it seems like last week might've been a week where it, um, where he might've lost that starting job to CJ Uzama and especially early in the year, you figured, well, maybe the jets would be a little bit more of a two receiver offense and then two tight ends. But now because they had such an emergence with Garrett Wilson, it's a jets team that can run a lot more 11 personnel to get Davis Moore and Garrett Wilson on the field. So th those were the two plays I made in that game from a jets perspective, nothing from a green Bay perspective, tough week to handicap with them. Last week, Aaron Rodgers came out saying that he was looking to maybe open up the offense and throw the ball more. And that's exactly what he did. And I was on a lot of Packers overs. I was on Rodgers over pass touchdowns. I was on Cobb over receiving yards, both one. And, but green Bay didn't win. 
And a lot of people are criticizing the fact that Green Bay did go away from the run game in the second half, and it might have ended up costing them that game. And specifically, you think about when it was third and two on that last drive, the Giants are playing a soft front, and Green Bay isn't running A.J. Dillon. They're throwing with Rodgers. They get the pass batted at the line back-to-back times. So Green Bay is a tough team to handicap, I think, from a prop perspective this week. But I did look into some of those Jets unders just due to the fact that they are running the ball a lot more with Wilson at quarterback. Speaking of those Jets unders, you mentioned Wilson has been steamed a bit. Checking the bet stamp player prop odd screen. The best price I'm seeing, Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong on this, minus 132. Otherwise, the juice is even higher than that at the moment on Wilson under 20 and a half completions. Is there a cutoff point for that number, knowing that, you know, if the books don't adjust the yardage, they might play around quite a bit with the juice? Yeah, about 130 is the cutoff. But, you know, one thing I've been seeing is there has been a lot more buyback in the betting market, in the prop market this season. And the reason that there's been more buyback is just that you have more people in the market now that have differing opinions. So as in the past few years, a number would get hit and you'd almost never see it come back. This year, I've been seeing it come back maybe just a little bit more. So I think you maybe monitor it and and you see if um, it does come back. If not, I mean, I'm not opposed. I definitely lean to a a Zach Wilson under 220-ish passing yards, which is the market right now. But it was the completions personally that I liked more, but not opposed to playing under on the yards. Got it. Some strong looks at potential Jets prop betting opportunities. And let's pivot to the other New York team that plays its home games in the state of New Jersey. The Ravens traveling back east. Uh, I guess they're already going to be staying back east, but traveling up a bit north to take on the Giants. Jacob, we'll start with you here because I know this is your team and I've just, you know, thrown some cold water on them in some recent shows. but. With the Giants at 4-1 and one right now, I, I know that Brian Dable is getting a lot of credit for the way he's navigating that offense, and rightfully so, given that personnel. How much credit as a fan who follows them more closely than I have, I'm sure, this season? How much credit would you give Dable in that offense versus also what Wink Martindale is doing on the defensive side? Uh, well, I'll touch on what Hitman posted on his Twitter when the Giants were taking down the Packers. He said if Dable gets 8, 9, 10 wins out of this team, you put him in the Hall of Fame because... Frankly, you go to the Giants and the receiving core, especially right now, uh, they had for that game against the Packers, which they won as big underdogs, they had Sills, Slayton, and James. That is about it for the receiving core. So a lot of it is on definitely the coaching. Wink Martindale on defense as well, especially like late in the game. I mean, the Packers couldn't score in the second half. They couldn't score on the Giants. So... That's impressive. I also, while I have the platform to do so, a lot of credit goes to Dable. I want to give Daniel Jones a quick shout-out because I was saying earlier on Props and Hops that he's not losing the Giants any games. Right now, he's winning us games as well because especially when Saquon Barkley missed a missed an entire drive when the Giants were down seven, Daniel Jones marched the Giants 93 yards for the tying touchdown before Barkley eventually came back in. So, a lot of it's on Dable, but I do want to give a bit of credit to Daniel Jones because I think he's a bit overhated. But uh, it's it's honestly a miracle we're four one, to be honest. <laughs> overhated. That's a new one to me, but I hear it. I get how that could potentially apply to your vantage point with Daniel Jones. And I like the point of 
needing a quarterback who doesn't have to do everything on his own, but just not to lose games. There's plenty to be said for that. And Hitman, I, I'd like to look at the other side of this game as well with Baltimore and a quarterback who can make the plays to win games almost single-handedly at times. And there's an interesting dynamic in play here because we've got Martindale's familiarity with Jackson, with Martindale having most recently been with Baltimore. And then his scheme, blitz heavy, a lot of man coverage. Lamar has really taken strides this year in attacking a scheme like that. So what gives when you look at Martindale's Giants defense taking on Jackson and this Ravens offense? I could only play Lamar overs. Uh, I just, the reason I ultimately have not played it and might not play it is just that I don't trust this Giants offense to put enough pressure on Lamar to throw later in the game. But like you said, I mean, at first I thought that Martindale was very familiar with this offense and that it would lead to maybe Lamar not doing as well. But then I looked at the the stats about the Giants blitzing and playing man coverage at the league high rates, and that Jackson has just absolutely been dominant against the blitz, and he's been dominant against man. And I don't think Martindale is going to change his scheme. He, he hasn't been a guy that has adjusted his scheme much. He's a guy that's going to run his stuff, and that's going to be it. So a, a slight lean to the Jackson overs. And I was all ready to give out Mark Andrews over. 65 and a half receiving yards. I was, I was giving it out here. I was going to give it out on another show. I was going to give it out to clients and another group that moves the markets and just destroys the markets. I should say they gave it out and it's not coming back uh, and it's up to 70 and a half right now. But Mark Andrews was a good play at over 65 and a half. He's the guy that has been getting all the targets. I think he's been getting 40% of the targets against man coverage for Lamar Jackson, which is an absolute obscene amount of targets, target share for him to be getting. So ultimately I probably end up passing this game because the Andrews play is no longer viable as it's moved about five, six yards in the last hour. Fair enough. Well, let's move on to a game where there might be a play to get to. I know for sure we've got one that will have some action involved uh, coming up later in the show. But the next game I wanted to touch on with you, working our way down the East Coast a bit, Niners at the Falcons, and specifically when Atlanta has the ball. They'll be going up a 49ers defense that I believe will be without more than half of its starters due to injury. Meanwhile, things trending up for the Falcons offensively. It looks like Kyle Pitts in line to make his return to the lineup. So, Hitman, with all these injuries in play and the different directions in which the injuries are trending for these two teams, and he looks at the prop betting market for 49ers at the Falcons on Sunday. I played Tyler Algier under 48 and a half rushing yards for Atlanta. And to me, this is a free roll. And what I mean by a free roll is if something with the Falcons injury report goes my way, then it's going to be a great bet. And if it doesn't go my way, then 50-50 bet. Maybe, maybe I still think even slightly EV towards me, to be honest. But Damian Williams is eligible to come off IR this week for the Falcons. He was the starting running back for them in week one before he got hurt. So – do I think he comes off IR this week? From what I'm reading, I would lean that he does not come off IR this week. 
But if he does come off IR, it's an absolute smash play because this is going to go from a two-man backfield to a three-man backfield with Huntley, Algier, and Williams. And you know what? It's funny. I, I say that it would be a two – without Damian Williams, it would be a two-man backfield. They've been using a third guy, honestly, this year, this season as well. I mean, he hasn't gotten many carries, but it's just such a committee now, and you're going against the number one run defense in the NFL – I know they are missing a lot of guys, but still, there's a lot of outs on this. Algier could be ineffective with his carries. He could get a little bit less carries. The Niners could get a big lead, and Atlanta could be running less. There's a lot of outs on Tyler Algier under 48 and a half rush yards, so I thought that that was worth a look this week. One more angle here I'd like to run by you that could further support the handicap. As somebody who doesn't follow the Falcons religiously, but kind of has casually followed their journey this season, is I know they're undefeated against the spread and getting a lot of attention for that. There was their recent game against Cleveland in which they just ran the ball down the Browns' throats, as pretty much every team is known to do when taking on this year's version of the Cleveland rush defense. And I wonder if that might be sticking in people's heads of, okay, the Falcons were just so run heavy in that one. They got a big win that they were probably a bit fortunate to get over the Browns. So maybe some bias from the rest of the betting market thinking Atlanta moving forward might be more likely to be a more ground heavy team than we should actually expect based on especially a matchup like this. Does that carry any weight in your mind? I mean, in in some cases it would, but I honestly do believe that the Falcons are committed to running the, the hell out of the ball. I mean, Arthur Smith said it in the second half of one of those games, said we're going to run the piss out of the ball in the second half. And I think that's their identity. So I do think this Atlanta team is going to be extremely run heavy, but more the handicap with anything like with a Tyler Algier under is the fact that they're so committed to having multiple guys in the run game, whether it's Marcus Mariota running, whether it's Algier, whether it's Huntley, whether it's even the third string running back that they're getting some touches. There's just going to be so many guys that are running for the Falcons. Got it. Well, we will look for hopefully a big committee carrying the load for Atlanta on the ground come Sunday. And let's touch on one more game back east in the early window. That would be the Vikings at the Dolphins. And Hitman, I know you've gotten down on Miami against the spread. I'm wondering if there's anything related to that from a prop betting standpoint when it comes to some potential matchup edges with Mike McDaniel's scheme with this Dolphins offense going up some potential soft spots in the Vikings defense. It's funny. I played Skylar Thompson under 214 and a half pass yards. You would say, well, you kind of like, and I do kind of like Miami in the game. So why are you taking a quarterback under? It's that Teddy Bridgewater is probably going to be active for this game from the reports that we've seen. Maybe he's not active. And if he's not active, I don't like it as much. But if Teddy Bridgewater is active for this game, the gist of what I got from Miami is that Bridgewater did not have a concussion. But the reason that they're going to start Thompson is because Bridgewater would be very limited in practice this week. On Thursday, he was limited. I'm not sure yet what's happening on Friday, but he wasn't going to be able to practice much. So that was the reason that Miami rather play Thompson with a full week of practice and preparation than they would play Bridgewater. But guess what? I think there's two avenues to win this. Miami, if they're winning 
Let's say Minnesota's offense struggles. Miami's winning the game. Thompson's going to throw the ball less if Miami has a lead. If Miami is losing, you never know that if Thompson's not playing well, that Teddy Bridgewater could come in to save the day in the second half if he's going to be active for this game. I just don't know how long of a leash Thompson is going to have. So I thought that Thompson under 214 pass yards was worth a play. Got it. Seeing a bit of a parallel to that Algier rush yards under prop where there's some handicap to the game itself, but also the element of a free roll. If, if we get somebody else involved at the same position, uh, then that could certainly put a firm ceiling on what a guy like Thompson could do through the air on Sunday. So we'll keep an eye on that one and also transition into the late window Sunday afternoon. Carolina at the Rams hitman. I know you've also gotten down on the Panthers against the spread. Sounds like it's largely a fade of the Rams offense in the prop betting market. Are you seeing any value to do just that and get in play against the Rams offensive players in any fashion? Yeah. I mean, it's another game that I complained about the Mark Andrews line getting beat up and that there's more eyes on this market more than ever. And if somebody hits a line, it gets blown up. And that was the case with, um, I really liked Matt Stafford. It was under 268 and a half pass yards. And it was a big, I got as much as I could before the line moved, but unfortunately it's moved about 14 yards now and it's just not as good. But I did think that um, fading the Rams in some pass catcher categories was the way to play it because Carolina is an underrated defense. And I know JC Horn and Dante Jackson are questionable for this game. That would be concerning if they do not play, but Carolina does have a top 10 pass rush that can get after Matt Stafford and Sean McVay's quotes this week has been about getting the running game going for the Rams. So you would theoretically think if it's 11, 10, 11 point favorites, Stafford going against another good pass rush. This is maybe the week that you try to get the run game going, but the market's been beat up. Um, Allen Robinson got bet under Matt Stafford got bet under acres got bet over. Somebody else had the same idea and you could have as good of a handicap as you want, but if the number doesn't support it ultimately has to be a pass. And I think that's what's happened in this Rams game that we ended up losing some good opportunities. Sure. Well, sometimes the most prudent thing you can do is to pass and just move on to the rest of the board. And let's do just that with what might be the game of the year after these two teams played arguably the best game of all time in the NFL in last year's divisional round. And that would be the much anticipated rematch, the Bills at the Chiefs. Hitman, I know you and I both have some Kansas City plus three tickets in pocket, but from a prop betting perspective, uh, let's start when Kansas City has the ball. Buffalo's defense decimated by injury. The Chiefs offense hasn't skipped much of a beat without Tyreek Hill this season. Anything you're looking for when it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense on the field in this one? I gave out the rush yards, not just for Patrick Mahomes, but also for Josh Allen. Um, I'm looking at Mahomes right now just to see current market. I'm seeing 23 and a half to 24 and a half on the current Mahomes market. And I, I like that um, when they have the ball. It's all about high leverage running. Patrick Mahomes we've in playoff games has looked to run more. In his career in playoff games, he's averaged 32 rush yards per game. Against the Bills specifically, two of these were playoff games. Two of them were not, but he's run for 61, 69, 36, and five rush yards. You look at the game where he had the five rush yards. Well, that was when he had a banged up foot. 
before the game before they play Tampa in the Super Bowl. So pretty logical reason to why he wasn't running the ball much, I think. And the last few games he's been running the ball a bit more, 26, 28, 34 yards. So Mahomes is a guy we know that he can run. It's just a matter of when he wants to run. And I'm essentially treating this, as far as my handicapping goes, I'm treating this as a playoff game. Both teams know this game is huge because this game could very likely determine who gets home field advantage in the playoffs. So uh, I'm treating it as such. And then for Buffalo with the Josh Allen, which I know you're going to ask me about Buffalo with their matchup, Allen, another player that runs in high leverage spots. Think about this. We played Josh Allen under 42 and a half rush yards on this pod last week against the Steelers as 14 point favorites. Now you have a game that, I mean, everybody's pretty much expecting this is going to be a tight game. This is the Bills biggest game of their year. And what are we seeing right now? We're seeing 43 and a half, 44 and a half on Josh Allen. I yeah, believe. pretty big range. I'm seeing anywhere from 43 and a half shaded over uh, as high as 47 and a half. But, you know, if somebody has yeah, a few, I, I think getting it's good. in the range of 44 and a half should be okay. I would, give, I would give it up to 46 and a half. I think it's a good play up to that. Um, Alan, the last, uh, here's a stat that I got from um, the pregame Dream Pod is the last 11, last season when Josh Allen played non playoff teams, he averaged. 5.7 runs and 38 rush yards per game. When he played playoff teams last year, nine and a half carries for 59 rush yards. And what have you seen this year when he played the Rams, the Dolphins, Ravens, high leverage games, 56, 47, 70 rush yards against the Titans and the Steelers, 10 and 42. So I'm expecting a lot of Josh Allen running this week from Buffalo's perspective. All right, so I think that leads us pretty well into our next segment here, locking in some official picks for the week. Hitman, I think I have an idea of where you might be going here, but what would you like to lock in for the Props and Hops Week 6 prop betting portfolio? We'll, we'll do three. We'll do Tyler Algier, under 48.5 rushing yards. We'll do Josh Allen. I'll be fair. Let's call it 46.5 rushing yards. The, the market lows, 43, 44 Highs 47. I like it at 46 and a half. We'll call 46 and a half. And for Mahomes, over 23 and a half rushing yards. Got it. I will add a follow-up question to you with both quarterbacks over something that a lot of betters might not account for, but a subtle factor with quarterback rushing yards, especially if we're talking both quarterbacks in the same game to go over, there's a pretty decent chance that one of these quarterbacks might be kneeling down at the end of the game. And if it's three kneel downs, that could be anywhere from three to six yards. Typically, of course, if you had Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the 49ers, uh, that was a much greater loss on some kneel downs, but we typically don't see too much beyond one or two yards per kneel. And with that factor in mind, do you think that's fully priced into these lines or does that give you even a bit of hesitation looking at both quarterbacks rush yards over in the same game? Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility of happening in any game that you're betting any quarterback rush yards. It's a possibility that that's happening. Um, I think that it, it, their lines are not up yet, but if that does concern you, I'm not opposed to a rushing attempts over. I don't know if we end up getting one on Mahomes, but I know typically I believe we do get them on Josh Allen. So that could be worth a look as well. 
good to keep in mind. I'm not seeing anything yet for Allen with attempts, but um, something yeah, that, for people to consider that, if they yeah. do like Buffalo. The rushing attempt with all, attempt lines, like those little bit of even further derivative lines, they come out a little bit later in the week. Sounds good. Something to keep an eye on beyond just this show as we record on Friday morning. And I will probably not go against any of your prop plays anytime soon. Uh, but I would like to underscore the Patrick Mahomes over 23 and a half look. Uh, I think a big point, uh, this being such a high leverage game, you talked about treating it as a playoff game for both teams. Hearing a lot of talk this week about the revenge angle for Buffalo, and I get it. That was a crushing loss for them last season, and there's probably nothing they'd like to do more than go back into Kansas City and do whatever they can as much as you possibly could in week six to right that wrong the way that went down in overtime for them. So I get it. The Bills are going to bring it. But I, I keep coming back to the fact that this is not spinal tap. You can't turn it up to 11. The Bills are going to give 100%. But I think the Chiefs are going to give 100% too. I mean, this is a big game for Kansas City as well. And I could almost flip the revenge narrative on its head by saying, hey, if you're Patrick Mahomes, you're an underdog at home for the first time in your career. You're the Kansas City Chiefs, and you've been at a certain point this week a field goal underdog at home. I feel like the Chiefs could find that insulting to any opponent. And even though the Bills are probably the best team not probably the bills are the best team in the league right now. I think we can all agree on that. I just think this line is too much. So I don't play the narrative game much. I wouldn't buy into the fact that the bills will be more motivated. They may well win in cover, but if they do, I don't think it's because of their motivation alone. I think Kansas city is also going to show up and to the point about high leverage moments, meaning a guy like Mahomes can really use that athleticism. I agree on a look at him over 23 and a half rushing yards and I'm going to go back to the well with teasers here as well. Hitman, one and four on the season so far. But I feel like when we've got a lower scoring environment, the opportunity to take some underdogs this week up through key numbers that can magnify the value that we get in a teaser. I feel like it's worth sticking with the process here. And hear me out and let me know what you think. I'm looking at the Saints plus eight against the Bengals, as well as the Jags plus eight at the Colts. And of course, with both of these teams, we're crossing through those key numbers of three and seven. When we talk about the handicaps beyond the pure math of it, with the Saints, yes, they've got injuries and unknowns when it comes to quarterback, wide receiver, and Lattimore on their defense. He's a key part of that secondary, of course. But the Bengals have had some offensive struggles of their own. They're really struggling to get anything going explosively in the passing game as defenses really sit back in that too high shell and invite the run. And even when teams invite the run, Jacob and I talked about this with Suma last week, Cincinnati really struggling to rush the ball, even if opponents are willing to concede that to them. So I think that the Saints can keep this one competitive. Again, that low total around 43, that magnifies the relative value of each point we get and teasing the Saints up through a touchdown. So I feel good about that leg overall. And then I really like the Jags leg to come through. I feel like that was a misleading loss for them last week. They dominated Houston. If you look at any predictive metrics moving forward some negative variance with turnovers and high leverage downs broke against them but i think that the jags if anything probably going to see some positive regression before any more negative variance comes their way and the colts last week they got a pretty misleading win at denver so i think that if we look at just the scoreboard results last week alone that could be maybe steering this point spread a bit in the wrong direction and similar to that saints leg we've got a low total in jags colts this one even a touch lower, around 42. Once again, that magnifies the relative value of each point. Overall, I won't be surprised if either or both the Saints and the Jags win outright. So with this teaser, I feel comfortable asking both of them to, at the very least, keep it within one score. 
All that said, Hitman, any thoughts on this Saints-Jags teaser for week six? I like it. I would just monitor the Saints injury report. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did come out really ugly where they're missing their top three receivers and Lattimore that Cincinnati does maybe get up to maybe a three-point favorite mm. or so where if that does happen, it would take away from some of the value on the teaser. But I, I do like it, but that would be my only pushback that I would give on the New Orleans side. That's a good point because if this line does approach three or even get to three by close, then obviously not crossing through that key number, just simply starting there, not enough of an edge to warrant a substantial teaser play. So definitely worth monitoring. And if people are sold on the Jags leg, but not so much on the Saints, um, it looks like the Patriots in teaser territory plus two and a half at Cleveland. Seattle also in teaser territory, although that game against the Cardinals has a much higher total. So we could be looking at more variance there. And then depending on the book, a lot of minus nines now showing for Tampa Bay, but some people on a six point teaser could get them down through the three at Pittsburgh. Let's say somebody likes the Jags, but they're not so sure on the Saints yet. Among those three or any other options, does anything stand out as a teaser like that you would like to pair with Jacksonville for this weekend slate? I like Seattle. I bet Seattle plus three. Uh, I like him in a teaser leg also. Arizona is just, I know a lot of people like him this week, but I mean, they have not been able to do anything this season until the second half when Murray improvises and makes plays. And Seattle's been a great first half team. So I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle does get out to an early lead. And if Arizona does come back, it's with some later game magic. Plenty of prop betting options to consider as we approach kickoff for the weekend slate week six in the NFL, even more prop betting options as outlined by Hitman. You can find him on Twitter at Hitman428. You can also find him on the Hammer Betting Network appearing on Edge Rush every week. That show features Hitman breaking down his thoughts on the side in total for every game in the league alongside handicapper Cleve TA and host Chris Abbott. Look out for that Wednesday night or Thursday morning wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at MLandis18. And Jacob and I will be back with Suma for Between the Lines on Wednesday, taking a look at the most meaningful line movement for Week 7 in the NFL. But until then, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy Week 6, and best of luck with your bets this weekend. Ups and ups and ups and ups.